This podcast is part of a series explaining how various regulatory agencies in the United States address minimum product and appliance energy efficiency standards. Hello and thanks for listening. I'm Justin Wiley with the Pull and Hot Tub Alliance, and I'm here speaking with Alex Bosenberg, Director of Regulatory Affairs for the National Electrical Manufacturers Association, about minimum energy efficiency performance standards affecting NEMA member products in North America. As of this recording, Alex has been with NEMA for 14 years, 12 of those in the Government Relations Department working on these and similar areas. Hello, Alex. Uh, What are we talking about today? Well, thank you, Justin. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the U.S. Department of Energy and their processes for certification and enforcement of their minimum energy conservation standards for covered products. So certification and enforcement is today's topic. Yes, though, strictly speaking, the acronym is CCE, meaning Compliance Certification (laughs) and Enforcement, which is the way that it's the DOE's way of saying testing and submitting product performance to their online database to be reviewed and listed publicly. So does the DOE test products? Uh, No. Uh, Years ago, uh, manufacturers advocated for the right uh, for self-testing and third-party testing to better streamline the process. Yeah, so I guess anyone can test and certify to DOE? Well, not exactly. I mean, a laboratory has to be certified or accredited to perform the test procedures relevant to the product in in question, certified to a standard or to the DOE test procedure. Uh, Meaning certification for every type of product and test procedure? Uh, Most manufacturers accredited labs only obtain accreditation for the tests relevant to their own products, Um, but larger labs, uh, public test labs like UL, Intertech, uh, can and are accredited to a host of test procedures to better serve their customers. So how do labs become accredited or recognized by DOE? Oh, there's a few ways. I mean, all of them involve obtaining recognition for proficiency in testing. Uh, a test lab can obtain recognition from the DOE itself or participate in a recognized program, such as the Nationally Recognized Testing Laboratory, or NERTL, program, or a National Voluntary Laboratory Accreditation Program, which we call NAVLAP. That one's run by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST. Or you can be certified to an International Organization for Standards Reference, uh, that's ISO, IEC standard 17025 or 17025, people call it. One of these paths is, is uh, any of these paths is allowable um, and one size doesn't fit all. So a lab that's looking for recognition for proficiency in testing usually selects the best one for them based on the products they plan to test and the market they plan to serve. So obtain accreditation for NIST, then test and certify? Yeah, well, the manufacturer, the representative must evaluate the test results and confirm they meet the applicable energy conservation standards, then submit their product or products to the DOE Certification Compliance Management System, or CCMS. Does that mean that every product made is, or in a given category, uh, has to be tested and certified? Oh, that's a good question. No, in fact, they don't. Then I guess, how is it decided? Well, what DOE requires is that the basic model of a product family uh, be tested and certified. So the decision for what basic model, a basic model for a given company product type is, is open to interpretation. It's not rigidly defined. And that means the manufacturer has flexibility and discretion to decide what basic model to choose and use to represent its larger family of products. You know, I'm not surprised, but that does sound very vague. Well, you can say that, but it lets manufacturers decide how much risk to accept to balance out the costs of testing and certification. And how do they decide on how much risk? 
Well, for one, uh, a manufacturer could test and certify a single product or every product they make or anything in between. So uh, if one were to go into CCMS and review the database, you can see that some manufacturers report just a few representative products out of dozens of catalog offerings, while some companies choose to certify every single SKU they make and sell. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it varies greatly in practice. What are the drawbacks? Um, how is this freedom checked or balanced? And might every manufacturer just pay to test and certify a single product per class? Well, they can, but that carries significant risk. And the risk is that if a basic model or any product from that family is pulled for certification testing or reported by somebody else as non-compliant, all the products that are part of that basic model's family are failed until they're retested and recertified. Hmm. And uh, what are the penalties? Well, the DOE has the authority to assess fines based on the number of products sold in the marketplace and an approximate uh, lost energy savings value. And so what I mean is they they usually structure their fines based on how much energy uh, wasn't saved um, by the, the mm. delta inefficiency of the product versus the standard. And they come up with a calculation. Uh, it varies by incident, um, and often they're also private, but the fines can be substantial. All right, let's get back to testing. Must all basic models be tested empirically in a lab, or is there another way? Uh, that's a good question. No, not all products have to be physically tested. Um, a lot of product programs, that is the rulemakings or the rules for uh, different products, allow for modeling. Uh, and that's called using an alternate efficiency determination model, or AEDM. <laughs> AEDM. So does the DOE provide AEDMs, or are they a particular to another source? Well, no, they uh, usually the manufacturer that wants to use the model develops the model themselves, or they can buy one from uh, a test house that specializes in them. And then they have that model certified as accurate and allowable for use by the DOE. And after that, once the model is certified, the products can be modeled by the manufacturer and the testing outcomes modeled and use that data as part of the certification forms for the DOE. Just a two-part question here. How does a manufacturer, their representative, submit these certifications? And then uh, how often is, is this required? Well, uh, the submissions are made by uh, emailing or uploading a spreadsheet to the DOE's uh, um, website. Um, mm -hmm. It's usually an Excel template, and the DOE provides that uh, one template for each product class. And so those are on the website, and they, uh, it, there's a lot of fields, but once they're all filled in, then the uh, – the manufacturer or the manufacturer's representative submits it into CCMS. Interesting. And how often does this happen? Well, there's there's two answers to that, or, or the answer is in two parts. First, every time you're about to introduce a new product to the market, you first have to make sure it's certified and submitted to DOE. But then they also have an annual recertification requirement. So basically once a year at least, that, that makes sense. But even if the design didn't change? Yeah, that's correct, and it's um, it's it's caused a few people to stumble in years past because it, it's sort of not logical. But you can you have to annually recertify, and even if you haven't made a new product, and they they let you just send in the same spreadsheet with the new date on it if uh, if that's all it comes down to. But it has to be done. Huh. So this kind of brings up a question about enforcement. Uh, how can DOE enforce standards on thousands and thousands of products? Uh, it's probably hundreds of thousands or millions, Ooh. really. Um, yeah. The DOE themselves do not pull products and test them without reason. Um, and usually what they 
get or pretty much what they rely on is public submissions that question a particular product for one reason or another. So someone else tips off the DOE? Yes, I mean, basically. Um, sometimes it's also possible that a manufacturer might self-report if they find out about a manufacturing or design defect or something that caused their products to be less efficient than they promised. Hmm. Self-reporting, why, why would one self-report? Well, because you get a few some points, so to speak, with the DOE, <laughs> if you self-report, you know, identify a problem before they find it. Um, because if you make steps to try to recall, redesign, retest, etc., do something about uh, making it right, then that's what DOE makes you makes a manufacturer do when a product's identified anyway. So when you do it proactively, it uh, ostensibly will help lessen the punishment. That, I guess that makes sense. And, you know, like you mentioned, brownie points, that's a, a good thing. Um, so if, if NEMA member companies have questions about CCE, uh, can they contact you? Yes, uh, I can provide links to the DOE website where um, someone who's not yet got an account with CCMS can register and begin a relationship with the database. Does NEMA test and uh, maybe certify products? We don't today, but uh, it's uh, it's allowable. As I said, third parties are allowed to certify. Uh, we don't have any certification programs right now, but uh, um, we are investigating it uh, and, and maybe going to stand up some. It's it's still being dealt with, but we have trade association siblings who do have certification programs. Hmm. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, this conversation contained a lot of detail. Can you also provide training on this or other topics if a NEMA section or member company wants to hear more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I usually attend section meetings when uh, those that section has products that are in DOE regulation or in an active rulemaking especially, uh, and I give updates and lead discussions. But I'm also able to answer email and telephone questions um, all the time. It's almost daily, really. And if a section wants uh, a brief on this or some other topic, I'm happy to provide that. Excellent. So let's talk about the next podcast. Well, I think next time we should talk about the process improvement rule of 1996 and its uh, reviews and revisions over the last couple of years. Sounds like good stuff. And we look forward to that on behalf of myself and those listening. Thanks, Alex, for talking about the DOE and its Energy Conservation Standards Program. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks.